Well, hello and welcome to the Informed Traveler podcast, part of the Informed Traveler radio show, which is heard each week on Chorus Radio. It's a travel podcast where our goal is to help you become a more informed traveler. And I'm your host, Randy Sharman. On this week's podcast, in a few moments, we're going to talk about all-inclusive resorts, the advantages of staying at one, and more specifically, the all-inclusive resorts that Marriott offers in the Caribbean. Plus, we'll visit with travel writer B.J. Oldman, who recently wrote about taking a road trip through eastern Oregon on the Guide to Travel website. It's a bit of an off-the-beaten-path kind of adventure, so we'll learn more about that. But first, let's start things out this week talking with the folks at Plaza Premium Lounges about their new upgrades at the Toronto and Vancouver airports. Plus, they have a couple of Christmas gift ideas for the traveler on your gift list that we'll learn about as well. So joining us now to share it all is Pascal Belanger. He is the Senior Vice President of Business Development Operations at Plaza Premium Group. Their website is plazapremiumlounge.com. Hi, Pascal. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Tell me a little bit about Plaza Premium Lounges. Well, Plaza Premium Lounges has been in existence for almost 25 years, and uh, we basically offer uh, a range of lounges around the country that are pay-per-use the big thing about these lounges is that they're available to anybody, regardless of the type of ticket they tra- that they purchased or the carry they're traveling on. So basically, it's a product that affords democratization of, of airport lounge access for anybody who so wishes to use our, our lounge. Yeah, that's what I like about them. Anybody can use them. It's not airline-specific or if you're uh, how many points you have or if you're a member of some club or anything like that. That's the great part of it, isn't it? It is. And, and, and you know, at the end of the day, um, you know, travel at airports nowadays is a bit stressful. Uh, we offer a bit of a sanctuary, a bit of a haven inside the airport. Once you've gone through the processes to come and relax, make your travel enjoyable, have some fun, get off to the right start. And by the way, we uh, we do this, as I said, we've done, been doing this for almost 25 years, but we've won uh, recently our sixth uh, consecutive award for uh, for the best independent lounges in the world. So this is something that's near and dear to our hearts. It's core, core business for us. And um we just look forward to welcoming guests uh, to have a, a bit of a luxury before they go on a trip. Well, I would imagine you're probably seeing an uptick in uh, the use of the lounges with the uh, airports being as crazy as they are these days. Yeah, for sure. Obviously, demand came back very quickly. As you know, uh, earlier this year, the summer has been incredible. Uh, we continue to see growth uh, here in Canada and also throughout our network. Uh, the growth numbers are are really, really high, which is which is good. Uh, if you compare it to the pre-pandemic, we're we're getting really close to where to where we were, which is which is good news. And um, you know, we we've got like I said, we've got uh, lots of lounges in this country to accommodate uh, people that want to give us a drive before even now before the holidays come. This is a great way to travel to take the stress out, as you mentioned. Uh, if you have a couple of hours of a layover, if you're uh, doing a connecting flight, for example, or if you just want to arrive early, get all checked in, and then just have a, a dinner or a lunch or a drink or anything like that and just relax before you even get on your plane, right? That's right. Um, you know, the processes at airports um, have become, for many, somewhat stressful, takes time. People don't necessarily know what's ahead. Once they get through security and they can relax, especially into a lounge and just sort of kick back before they get on the in the air, uh, this is where really we offer that that value proposition where you can have, as you said, a meal, a beverage, and just relax, chill out, and look forward to your trip. So that's that's really where we are in 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 
and how we interact in the uh, in the ecosystem, if you will, between the moment that you decide on your trip, you get to the airport, you uh, go through our facilities, and get on your way. Talk about the uh, Canada passes now and your holiday passes that are available. I think that would be a, a great stocking stuffer. Yeah, exactly. So for the holidays, we have the uh, what we call the holiday pass, which basically a couple of passes is valid basically from from now roughly through to the end of the year and uh basically get a couple of passes what we throw in there as well as a, a bit of a festive cocktail or a mocktail as it were uh to help uh sort of celebrate the upcoming holiday season on the uh, on the canada pass that we have that's a, that's a product uh, there's different uh number of passes you can acquire you can get five you can get ten whatever and again, that's uh, that's really good for those that travel maybe a little more frequently throughout uh, Canada, and, uh, and and you know we're in five airports in the country, and uh, if they you know if they fly to, to Vancouver, to Edmonton, Winnipeg, or here in Toronto, of course, Montreal. So we have different uh, products that are available uh, for for those that travel a little bit more and that want to enjoy the lounges uh, before they depart. So the Canada passes, they're not date-specific. They can be used any time, but the holiday passes, they're only good until December 31st to use them, right? Yeah, that's right, exactly. Uh, and you have some, well, you mentioned five airports, but you got some exciting things happening in Vancouver and Toronto, apparently. That's right. So our largest two stations in the country, Toronto, we just reopened a brand-new uh, renovated lounge in Terminal 1, uh, which is right after security, so... As soon as people come out of the security process at domestic uh, flights, it's to the right. There's obviously about 5,000 square foot lounge. Uh, what's interesting about this lounge, aside from being newly renovated and, and kind of sleek, there's great views of the tarmac, uh, so people can can see the airplanes move and come and go. There's also a VIP area that has a bit of an upsell to it for uh, 19.99. We let people into that VIP area. There's a little private bar, very upscale as well. So. Uh, kind of a fun place to relax as well. And, and of course, the dining continues to be uh, what we're known to be, right? So it's it's good dining experience in a brand-new lounge. And um, it, it's, you know, we've reopened this one in, uh, in, in mid-August, and it's really been performing well. So we're really happy. The feedback from customers is great as well. At the other end of the country in Vancouver, we have a couple of new products. Uh, one is a, a newly renovated trans-border lounge, a much bigger lounge than what we had before, uh, about 132 uh, seats in there, uh, and uh, just just a, again a wonderful addition. There's a, there was very limited uh, lounge product in Vancouver at that particular uh, transborder area, so uh, already we're seeing excellent numbers, and uh, uh, just so happy to see guests come in and, and really enjoy the facilities. We've also opened a restaurant that's neighbor to this lounge. It's called Route 98. Uh, Route 98 is a uh, is a concept. That's our second one in, in Canada. We have one in Winnipeg already, but this one here is also in the trans borders. A grab and go concept. It's a nice bar. Um, again, it's it's a really nice addition to the service offering at Vancouver Airport. And for those guests that are flying out to the United States uh, or through the United States, that is uh, that's been a really good addition. And again, it just opened uh, a couple of weeks ago and already doing quite well. So we're we're really pleased about these. Well, it just makes me want to have a longer connection in Toronto or Vancouver, <laughs> maybe for about four or five hours so I can enjoy uh, your lounges. You can find out more information on the Plaza Premium Lounge uh, website, plazapremiumlounge.com. Pascal Belanger is the uh, Senior VP for Commercial Development and Operations for Plaza Premium Group. Uh, here's to a good holiday season, Pascal.
Likewise, all the best to all your listeners and uh, Merry Christmas and uh, looking forward to serving you in our lounge. Well, one way to save money while on vacation is staying at an all-inclusive resort, especially if you're traveling as a family. And normally, all-inclusives are mostly found in areas of Mexico, Jamaica, and the Dominican Republic. But that's changing. There are more options for all-inclusives now in other areas of the Caribbean, thanks to the folks at Marriott. So joining us now to give us an idea of where those destinations are and to talk about all-inclusives in general is Diana Plaza. She is the Chief Sales and Marketing Officer for Marriott Caribbean and Latin America, the website Marriott.com. Hi, Diana. Hello, Randy. Pleasure being here with you today. Well, I love all-inclusives, so that's what we're going to talk about. And the reason why I love them is because I have two children, and anybody who has children and they want to go away somewhere can probably relate. Uh, One is a teenager and one is a preteen, so they like to eat. And the cost of going out to eat is uh, getting very expensive. So that's why I like (laughs) all-inclusives. That's awesome. Is that a trend you're kind of uh, seeing these days? Is is uh, people like myself, families that are kind of uh, gravitating towards all inclusives? Absolutely. So it's been incredibly interesting for us to see this. So Marriott um, entered the all inclusive space just about a year and a half before the pandemic started, and it had been a segment that we had been really interested in going into because we knew it was growing in popularity. We saw a lot of other brands, obviously, in this space, a lot of customers, and even our Marriott Bonvoy members were telling us that this is something they wanted. So we heard from guests like you with families, with kids that said, you know what, I'm already staying at All Inclusives and they're outside of your portfolio. When are you going to bring your brands and the Marriott name into the All Inclusive space? So we started looking at how our brands could become all-inclusive properties. And now we are at 30 incredible all-inclusive hotels in the Caribbean and Latin America. Uh, They are in nine of the key markets, really, where you would consider taking those vacations. And under four of our brands, although we plan to also open under a few other brands. And when we look at the current customer and the interest around it is the fact that there's something for everybody. So you were talking about your kids and eating out and things like that. And many of these hotels have so many different restaurant options for you. So one of your kids can go and have pizza and the other one can go and have some Chinese food. And then you and your wife could go and have a steak. So it's amazing to be able to have all of these experiences and Now, when we're seeing some of those inflation costs going up, all-inclusive is an even better opportunity for travelers because you're locking in your budget from the start. So you're not worrying about this dinner bill that is coming in at this much or this room service breakfast that is going to come in at this much. All of that is already pre-planned. You already know how much it's going to cost you. You can determine from that what destination you're going into. And and really kind of just have more of that peace of mind so you can truly enjoy your vacation. So it's it's been great to for us to see that and continue to hear from the customers of what they want out of an all inclusive vacation. Mm-hmm. Well and to me too, it's not all it's not just the meals, it's the snacks in between that can add up as well, right? <laughs> 
Oh, absolutely. If you think about it, you know, you're spending the day by the pool, you're getting hungry, you want a little snack here, a little snack there. You also want to make sure you're having maybe a cocktail in between. So all of that definitely adds up. And, and with the beauty of all-inclusive, is that you don't have to worry about having to sign on every single check for every single one of those snacks or being able to have the variety of access to the different amenities. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, yeah, I didn't even get into the having a cocktail or two <laughs> either. Uh, so uh, what does Marriott look to do? You made a, you made a sort of, uh, you kind of touched on it a little bit, but, but how to make your property stand out from your competition? It's two key things. One is our Marriott Bonvoy program. So the fact that you're able to obviously earn and redeem also your points from that perspective, but also the fact that we have so many different ways to align them with the brands that you're familiar with. So we know that we have so many of our guests that are very passionate about what a luxury collection gives you access to. So bringing that into all-inclusive is something that really differentiates us. Instead of brands that are purely in the all-inclusive space were able to take these very established brands that you can also stay in a city on a regular European plan. You can now take them and experience them there. I think one that may resonate, obviously, is the Delta brand, which we acquired a few years back, a Canadian brand that has been growing incredibly across all of the world under our portfolio. And we were able to bring this brand into the all-inclusive space with that Canadian DNA as part of it uh, with our Delta Riviera Nayarit all-inclusive hotel. So it's really it's that combination between the loyalty program, but then our brands and the, the DNA of each one of these brands and the way that we continue to invest in them and position them for the right customer, for the, the different types of destinations or the different occasions of travel. Well, let's talk about some of those destinations because normally in the past, you haven't seen a lot of all-inclusives in the Caribbean. I'm thinking about specifically the Caribbean islands now. Uh, So give me some examples of where people would find an all-inclusive now in the Caribbean. Yes, absolutely. So definitely lots of locations. So the traditional ones, as we were saying, you know, Jamaica, definitely we have some there, Dominican Republic, uh, but also we have in Barbados, Antica, and Barbuda, St. Lucia, uh, Grenada, and it, these hotels really offer something for everybody. I think one of the uh, most exciting ones is the fact that the uh, Royalton in Antica, for example, offers the island's only water bungalows. And I think many people sometimes think that those are so far away, you know, so you have to travel all the way to Southeast Asia to be able to stay on one of those overwater bungalows. But actually you have them and this all-inclusive autograph collection in Antica, just a few hours flight uh, from many of our Canadian uh, cities. So really great to have that. The resort is on a private stretch of beach, just really stunning. And in Grenada, same thing. So we know this one is a family hotel, great ways for water sports, some nightly entertainment, just really lots of opportunities. And we know that travelers are looking in a lot of cases for those unique destinations that may not have been on their radar on their radar before. So having these all-inclusive hotels where you're going into a new island that you may have no idea about what you to find, now you're coming into this all-inclusive autograph collection hotel and you can start your adventure from there. 
Well, it all sounds very exciting. Now I want to go. You had me at beach, especially private beach. So <laughs> you can find out uh, lots of information about their uh, new all-inclusive properties on the Marriott website, Marriott.com. And Diana Plazas is the Chief Sales and Marketing Officer for Marriott Caribbean in Latin America. It was uh, fun chatting with you, Diana. Thank you. Thank you so much, Randy, for the opportunity and hope to hear about one of your all-inclusive vacations coming up and just welcoming any of the guests that are listening who's just really, really exciting resorts and destinations and very cool things to discover as part of all-inclusive. Well, if you're looking for an outdoor adventure off the beaten path and away from the usual areas, why not look to eastern Oregon? That's what travel writer and independent contributor B.J. Oldman recently wrote about on the Guide to Travel website, guide2travel.ca. It's titled, Take an Adventure Road Trip Through Eastern Oregon, and B.J. joins us now to share her adventure. Hi, B.J. Hi, Randy. Uh, Let's talk about uh, your article, Take an Adventure Road Trip Through Eastern Oregon. What area of Eastern Oregon are we talking about geographically? Oregon's a pretty big state, so where did you go? State's kind of in the northern part of it. Um, I think that the uh, the, the line ends at a gorge, and there you see some signs of Pendleton and Umatilla. And so we were concentrating on that eastern northern part of the of the, of the state. We did. I I flew into Portland, and we we went through the gorge, but um, the trip focused on that eastern aspect where there's a little bit more rugged and a little less populous. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm going to assume this is a better trip to take in the summer and spring than it is in the winter. But I, I never want to assume anything. I'm a shoulder season traveler. I love the changing seasons. So I was there in September and it was fabulous. Um, I think it depends on what you want to do. There's a lot of winter sports in the area as well. Just like Alberta has mountains and skiing, um, the mountains there um, also have some skiing and some snowshoeing and snowmobiling. So it's a real outdoor enthusiast area. Mm-hmm. Um, in the summertime, there's more fishing and hiking and camping, but I think there's a lot to do year round. Uh, so what do you like about this area? I know you just touched on it, uh, being an outdoorsy type person. There's lots to do there. But what uh, drew you to this particular area? I had driven, uh, driven down from Alberta through uh, Cranbrook, I think it was, down to Oregon, up to Portland a couple of times. And I always drove through and saw these signs that said Pendleton and Eastern Oregon. I'd never had the chance to visit. Um, it was drawing me because... Uh, I was talking to people, and they would go to this thing called the Pendleton Roundup, which sounded a lot like the Calgary Stampede, but a little less commercialized. Mm -hmm. And so when I had the opportunity to do this trip and go to Pendleton and go to do this uh, outdoors adventure following that, um, I I jumped at the chance. So I'm just uh, looking at the article as well. Again, it's a take an adventure road trip through eastern Oregon. Uh, You start out, you say that, like you mentioned too, the nearest airports are Portland or Boise. So you can... You can go one direction or the other, whichever is easier. And I would assume you could probably just drive to those spots, too, and and start this adventure, right? Right. I mean, from Calgary, I think you can get there in about eight hours, around that period of time, I think. Uh, So it's it's not that far of a trip, and it's convenient because you definitely need a car when you go there. So 
it would be convenient. It was about a four-hour drive to get to where we were from Portland. So mm-hmm. still a bit of a drive no matter where you're going. So, okay, let's touch about some of the highlights, some of the things you uh, see, some of the places you should stop. I w- again, uh, I would think you could probably take as much time as you want through uh, this, depending on where you stop and how long you stop for, right? Exactly. Like anything, it really depends on what your interests are. Um, Pendleton, you have to time your trip uh, right, because if you want to go to the annual roundup, it is in September. Uh, it's a, I think it was the 112th year this past year, and it's pretty authentic. You can get right close down to the animals. Um, the town swells in size at that time, so it's, it's definitely a draw. I think it, it is about 10 days as well, for sure, for a week. But it's a lot of different events, plus, again, a, a really um, close to the action rodeo. As far as going backcountry, it all depends on what you want to do. Um, it reminded me a lot of when I was driving, let's say if you're going to Drumheller and you're driving through the prairies and ball prairies, and all of a sudden there's these amazing coolies. So a lot of similar land structure that way. And then you go a little further, and then you're at the base of the mountains. And um, the whole eastern part is full of uh, forest and different mountain ranges. Oh, Pendleton sounds really cool. Even if you don't make the roundup, it sounds like there's a lot of iconic uh, sites there, uh, places you can stop for a bite to eat and, and stay a few nights. Yeah, it's definitely very iconic. It's, uh, you see evidence of cowboy culture everywhere, and there's a real uh, strong influence of beef. Um, there's a lot of farming around there. There's also the Pendleton Woolen Mill. Um, so the famous Pendleton blankets are made there, but not just that, but there's other uh, products that are made. Uh, it, and the, the, you can tour the, the mill there as well. Now, what about the accommodations? Uh, did you camp? Did you stop uh, campsites or did you uh, use uh, local hotels? How, how did it work for you? We stayed at a local hotel in Pendleton. And after that, when we were doing the backcountry hiking, our trip was organized by a local guide. I'm a fan of using local guides. I've traveled a lot, and I find I learn so much more and waste so little less time working out the details and what are the, the little bits that you need to know, the permits, the rules, the regulations. They give you an elevated experience anywhere, anywhere that I've traveled if you can have the chance to use a local guide. So the local guides... Uh, they were the ones who actually packed in gear and set up camp for us, because um, uh, a couple of us, and they set up camp. And so we just had to hike in, uh, and then our accommodation was all set up. Nice. Well, and you're true. It, it is true about using local guides and guides in general. You do learn so much more, and you do save a lot of time, that things that you don't even know about, because as the uh, old adage goes, you don't know what you don't know. How long is the route itself, though? The route uh, from Portland to the end of the gorge is, I think, just just over 100 miles, around 115 miles. Um, there are certain parts of it that are definitely more beautiful than the others. When you leave Troutdale, which is the eastern part of Portland, you can opt to take what's called the Historic, Historical Columbia River Highway, and that's... Uh, a highway that kind of has a lot of turns and twists and elevation raises and elevation drops. It's really gorgeous. There's tons of viewpoints along there. Uh, there's so many waterfalls um, along the route. I believe there's something like 70 waterfalls. 
is you can choose where you can stop and, and actually hike into some, and some are very close to the road. Mm-hmm. There's one there's one stretch where there's uh, numerous, and of course the most famous is the Multnomah Falls. And uh, I, I stopped at La Terrell Falls, which was a little smaller one, but really easy access. People bike along that route, so I would actually recommend that as another option for people in the summertime is to go and, and, and cycle the route, knowing that you are... There, where it goes up, it does go down. So it's uh, it's not the easiest, but I did run into some cyclists and chatted with them for a bit, and they were really enjoying the ride. <laughs> Sounds good. And it's not, like you said, it's not a big, long stretch. So the time factor, again, if you wanted to do it in a day, you probably could. But like I said, maybe stop and, and enjoy some scenery and, and stretch it out, right? Definitely. It, and, and there's parts when you don't go on the historical highway, you can stop in Hood River, which I did. I stopped in Cascade Falls, I think that was another place. You can stop and see some of the dams and see some of the hydro along there. Hood River is very well known for uh, the wind factor, so you can see kite surfers skimming across the water, lots of water sports there. Um, great restaurants, great brewery scene, um, agricultural bounties, so uh, they really, again, focus on do some, some good food, even at the, at the breweries. And then the further you go, they like said, you just see more locks. I've had the opportunity to actually uh, go on a boat ride from um, downtown Portland to some locks as well, come as far as you could go. And it was a really other neat way of seeing the gorge. You see it from a totally different aspect, mm-hmm. depending, on, depending on what you want to do. Well, yeah, and uh, I was going to ask you, and you did touch on it too, just the actual driving itself and the highway itself. Uh, you did it in the in the fall. Less traffic in the fall and the shoulder seasons, right? De- definitely. Um, the the highway itself is uh, fairly busy. There's a lot of uh, trucking and things that go along there. Um, it, but it is definitely always, always, you know, it's not a quiet highway, so it's nice to get off and, and do the historical highway for as much as you can. Mm-hmm. If you're there as a tourist, for sure. Uh, BJ Oldman is a travel writer and independent contributor. You can read all about taking an adventure road trip through Eastern Oregon on the travel or the guide to travel website, guide the number two travel.ca. It was uh, fun chatting with you, BJ. Thank you. Thank you, Randy. And that is this week's Informed Traveler podcast. Remember, this is the podcast version of the Informed Traveler radio show, which is heard each week on Chorus Radio. You can find more information on the show at our website, theinformedtraveler.org. So thanks for listening. If you like what you hear, let us know, leave a review, tell a friend, or you can drop me a line. My email is randy at theinformedtraveler.org. You can also like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash informedtraveler or follow me on Twitter at informedtraveler. For most of us, crime is something we see on the news. We never think it could happen to us until it does. Loved ones are gone, and for the survivors, the scars will never heal. I'm Nancy Hickst, a senior crime reporter for Global News. And on this season of Crime Beat, I'll take you inside some of the most serious crime stories I've covered. Season six of Crime Beat is available now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and all podcast platforms.